Blog Talk. everybody and welcome to the Women of Golf show. I'm uh, Ted Odorico and right alongside of course each and every week is my good friend and co-host of the program uh, LPJ professional and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller. Uh, good morning Cindy. Good morning Ted. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I'm sitting in beautiful Orlando, Florida. And uh we're going to talk about that here in just a second, what you're doing in Orlando. Uh, normally you're up in Buffalo, but you're down here in the sunny south, and uh, we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But let me just remind everybody that we are live uh, Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. Uh, for those of you that are tuning into the show, we are live, of course. Um, and, and the best way to find us is go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or just type women of golf up in the search key and that will take you to the main page uh, where you can find the show and of course during the live broadcast uh, we'll be front and center but for some reason if you're not able to join us but you want to hear uh, some of the the great uh, topics of conversation or listen to some of our our guests you can just scroll down on that page and you'll go to the on-demand section which will have all of our previously aired shows uh, in their order of uh, most current down to the oldest show. So uh, that'll give you an opportunity to, uh, to tune in. You can also go to iTunes.com and in the podcast section, type in, again, Women of Golf, and that will take you to uh, uh, our podcast there uh, in iTunes. So um, we're glad you can join us, for those of you joining us live, and uh, for those of you coming on a little bit later on, uh, welcome to the program. Uh, we've got a great show for you this morning. Uh, we've got uh, Cindy's going to tell us exactly what she's doing in Orlando here in just a second, but uh, a couple of other quick announcements. Uh, if you want to uh, write in or, or comment about the show, you can reach us at uh, either of these two emails. You can reach out to Cindy at cindy at cindymillergolf.com, uh, or you can reach me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And if you're somebody in the golf profession, whether you're a teaching professional, club professional, uh, or some other area of, of the golfing world, and you're interested in maybe coming on and sharing your thoughts and viewpoints uh, with our, our audience, uh, you're welcome to do so by, again, reaching out to cindy at cindymillergolf.com uh, or myself, ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And uh, you're also welcome to uh, reach out uh, during the live broadcast and call us uh, into the show, and you can do that by calling area code 347-945-5855. And uh, I understand we're going to have a few uh, uh, callers joining us this morning uh, from where Cindy is. And uh, one last thing, uh, our, our special guest coming in the second half of the show is going to be Tara Miller. Uh, she's an LPJ teaching and club professional uh, member and a certified uh, U.S. Kids golf coach, as well as the uh, MCG Academy certified instructor. So she'll be joining us in the second half. Uh, and one last mm-hmm. final, uh, I promise is the last one, and then we'll bring uh, Cindy back. Um, In the months to come, we're going to have a very special guest, one of the original founders of the LPGA, uh, Ms. Shirley Spork. Uh, She's uh, well up in her 80s, uh, 80 years young, but uh, she's still got lots of uh, uh, vim and vigor, if you will, and and lots of spunk 
left in her. And uh, she was actually uh, featured, one of the featured uh, ladies in a film called The Founders, which is, uh, of course, about the uh, history of the LPGA. Uh, she's going to be coming to join us in the months to come, but she's going to be joining me this Thursday night on Golf Talk Live uh, from 7 to 8 p.m. Central. So you want to make sure you get a sneak peek for that. But she'll be coming back and uh, talking about uh, that and much more and a new book that she's going to be coming out with uh, here in the months to come. But she'll be joining Cindy and I on the Women of Golf. But uh, as I mentioned, uh, Cindy, uh, where are you? The, I know you're in Orlando, but what are you doing down in Orlando? We are teaching the junior boot camp at Orange County National Golf Club. Fantastic. And I understand that uh, some, of the, some of the youngsters there are going to call in. In fact, I think we've got one right here. So uh, let, let's bring this first one on and, and uh, welcome them to the it's, show. This is Lily Young, and Lily has been playing golf or teaching, uh, taking lessons from us for about hmm, three or four months. Mm-hmm. Well, Lily, um, oh, you're, you're on live. I need to stop yeah, walking. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're getting winded there. Um, well, Lily, welcome to uh, the Women of Golf Show with Cindy and I. We're glad that you can join us this morning. Please say hello to uh, the listeners out there. Thank you. Hello. Um, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Uh, how long have you been playing? First off, how old are you? And, and how long have you been playing golf? And, uh, and then um, we'll, we've got – sorry, go ahead. Um, I'm 12, and I've been playing golf since about 2012 for so about five years. Hmm. And Cindy, Cindy mentioned that you've been working with her for a few months. Um, one of the things, uh, Lily, that we, we wanted to talk about on the show this morning is, is sort of how you prepare when you're getting ready to actually go out in the golf course, not in the driving range, but out in the golf course. Uh, is there anything special that you like to do uh, when you get ready to play? Um, well, Cindy always tells me it's really about courage. You have to have courage in yourself and knowing that um, your muscles can hit the ball. And one, ch- one thing that she always tells me is what you're scared of is going to happen. So you really just have to believe in yourself that, you're gonna, that your muscles and your body are going to be able to hit the ball correctly. And that, um, you know, then if it doesn't happen, then, you know, you can keep playing and you can move on. That's well said. And so if I understand you correctly, so what Cindy is trying to help you with is to understand that you're not going to hit every shot perfect, that sometimes you're going to hit some bad shots, and she's trying to help you prepare for how to handle that emotionally, um, but also physically, how to to sort of find a way to regroup and and get ready for the the next shot, correct? Yes. Um, Perfect. One thing Cindy has helped me with a lot is giving me kind of like almost a checklist of things where if I'm not hitting the ball correctly, I can take a moment and just kind of go through and make sure, am I doing this right, am I doing this right, and that has helped a lot. That's perfect. Um, Lily, one of the things that, that uh, I'm sure Cindy has, has told you um, about practicing, when you get ready on the, on the practice tee before you play around or just when you're out there working on your, your swing and things like that, is to sort of practice, you may have heard her say, uh, either this phrase or something similar, but um, to practice with a purpose. Um, does she yeah. give you some, some tips and, and, and advice on how to properly practice and make good use of your time on the range? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> she definitely likes to give me different things to work on um, and different things. She likes to put a lot of emphasis on what I'm working on that day. Um so then, you know, I kind of know what I'm working on, and then once I have that done, I can move on to something else. 
Perfect. Um, what does Cindy tell you to do in a case, um, just to kind of go back what we talked about a second ago, um, you know, as, she, as we mentioned, you know, obviously sometimes you're not going to always hit uh, the perfect shot and, and sometimes you hit a bad shot. Um, what, is she, what advice has she given you uh, on how to handle that situation and, and how do you sort of in your mind, how do you prepare and say and let it go? In other words, how do you say, okay, I hit a bad shot, it's okay, um, I need to focus on what I'm doing right now. How, do, how does she help you to, to sort of forget those bad shots? What, she, what advice has she given you? Well, you know, she's really told me on those bad shots, even though you might have hit the ball bad, usually there's something that in your stance or in your arms that you've done right. So she says, okay, you did this right in your shot, but you did this wrong. So in your next shot, just think about this, and then you'll be perfect. Right. So, so in a sense, really what she's telling you, Lily, is instead of focusing and dwelling on the negative aspects of, of what you did wrong – rather focus on the positive things and use those as, as a way of, of moving forward, correct? Definitely. Perfect. What's the, what's the, um, what would you consider to be the strongest or the best part of your game, and what do you consider to be um, a part that you really need to work on that maybe you struggle with a little bit? Tell us about that. Um, I think one thing that I – I'm really good with my irons and my fairway, and I think that I – Cindy has definitely helped me get down um, a good swing and muscle memory to be able to hit the ball successfully. Um, but one thing that I do struggle with is keeping my body still and not moving my legs before I hit the ball. So she is helping me right. with that. So she's kind of helping you with that transition from, from your backswing to your downswing without getting too much too leggy, in other words. In other words, kind yeah. of swing. Yeah, that's good. That's good that she's doing that. And, you know, mm -hmm. let me just tell you, um, Cindy is a great teacher um, for a couple of reasons. Not only does she have a lot of experience in teaching the game, but as a, as a professional golfer herself, she's been in the same spots that you have that you're experiencing now. And even to this day, she can still hit some bad shots and tries to work uh, on, uh, on those areas as well. And so that's why she's telling you the things that she's telling you is from her own experiences uh, through her journey in golf. Um, Cindy, do you have some questions that you want to ask uh, Lily as well? Lily, what have you learned from being at boot camp this week? Um, from being at boot camp, I think one of the things is definitely the bad shots, um, especially being able to play out on the holes with her instead of just in a dome. Um, she's really helped me deal with, okay, you did this wrong, but then you can do this correctly. And, um, I think that's really great. And another thing about Cindy is she's really – she's a great golf coach, but she's also good in life coaches. She has, she has a lot of helpful tips. Well, there, there's a word that I would say um, to you, Lily, um, that would be bingo. Um, you got it right on. That's, the, that's really the key is, is being a good life coach as well as a good golf coach because there are many, and I'm sure you're, you're starting to find them out now, um, there are many, many good life lessons that you can learn um, through understanding and being taught golf. There's many similarities mm -hmm. and struggle, and uh, that's good that she's helping you with that. Um, Cindy, do you have uh, maybe another question that you want to ask uh, Lily? For... Um, what I would ask you is what kind of learner are you? Have you learned? Yes, I'm a kinesthetic learner, which means I like to feel things. So oftentimes if I'm not understanding something, 
Cindy will come over with me and grab my club and kind of go through the motions with me. Perfect. Um, now, Cindy, did you, uh, let me ask you a question. Did you, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming the answer would be yes, did you put Lily through the assessment process? I did. Everybody that comes to boot camp has to do the disc golf assessment to find out what their behavior style is. And they also do the learning style quiz, and they also do the mental golf profile. Right. Now, now, Lily, obviously, Cindy has explained to you the importance of why she does that assessment. Um, what were some things that you learned about through that process um, that Cindy shared with you that you've learned about yourself? Uh, obviously, you mentioned that you're a kinesthetic. Uh, that's how you learn. But what were some other things you, that you remember that, uh, that you learned through that assessment process and, and understanding a little bit more about yourself? Okay. Um, yeah, one thing is my behavior style. You know, as she's kind of told me, you know, you fit into this category, I've really started to kind of, when I talk and walk, listen to myself and realize that that really is how I do talk. Um, another thing is with putting. She had told me that I'm a linear putter, which is really interesting because then she can kind of help me and show me how to putt better when um, I didn't even know that linear and nonlinear were existed or were a thing. So it's interesting to kind of see all these things that I'm finding out about myself. Very interesting. Cindy, just for the audience's sake, can you explain the differences between linear and nonlinear putting? Linear putters see a straight line and they point at a target like the normal way that we've all learned. If I say it's two cups outside the right side of the hole, you aim at two cups outside of the right side of the hole. A right. nonlinear putter doesn't see straight lines. They see curved lines. Therefore, they can't aim at two cups outside the right side of the hole. They'll miss the hole equal distance to that distance, if that makes any sense. So a nonlinear yep. putter uses a clock on the hole and they see the ball curving in, so two cups outside the right side of the hole might be at 4 o'clock. So a nonlinear putter sees the ball going in at 4 o'clock rather than aiming at two cups outside the right side of the hole. It's a little confusing, right. but once you become aware right. of it, um, if you're a nonlinear putter, it can change your golf life, without a doubt. If you're a linear, you... it's just... Go ahead. Right. No, no, what I was going to ask you um, was, um, I mean, I, I don't know if we have any stats about this, but how many would you say relatively compared to most golfers, how, what percentage would you say, if you were to take a guess, would be linear and nonlinear putters of, of, of most of the golfers out there? Um, I would say we've got half and half right here at our school this week, but I think more tour players are nonlinear. I can wow. give you an example of Jack Nicholas being linear, totally linear. You can right. see, if you watched an old video of him getting ready to hit the ball, how his eyes are looking at a spot in front of the ball, like an intermediate target. Right. Whereas uh, Freddie Couples will look out into the distance. So you can determine a tour player's alignment strategy by watching their eyes where are they looking like Bernard Langer would be a linear putter and Fuzzy Zeller would be a non Bernard Langer would be linear and Fuzzy Zeller would be non that's very interesting um, 
you know, that, that uh, obviously explains a lot about uh, the differences in how people putt. It's not just about the stance and the posture and the equipment they're using. There's an actual purpose to how they approach things, and that's why so many golfers... This is why I think, Cindy, this sums up what we've talked about many times in the past, about how important it is to understand yourself first um, before you can really make changes, because if you if you sort of get lumped into that category like everybody else, but maybe as, as uh, Lily just pointed out, she's a kinesthetic learner. Somebody might be uh, more of a visual learner. Um, if they're being taught one way as opposed to the other, based on what they are, sometimes it's, it's not going to help them. So they tend to struggle with their, with their game because of that. So it's very important uh, to have these assessments and, and learn that information first for foremost. Um, now, Lily, I want to, I want to go back to you real quick. Cause Cindy, uh, had mentioned before we went live that um, you have a, a real desire to play golf, uh, maybe not just recreational, but maybe uh, possibly one day, uh, you know, uh, playing uh, more competitive golf. What are some of your future goals? Have you set any yet? Um, although I've been playing for five years, and the last year I think is when I really started to realize that I love doing this. Um, and one thing that Cindy helped me with a, a lot is – doing this successfully um before now not only do i love doing it but i know that i can but i love doing it even more because i know that i can go out and play the game successfully um one goal i'd like to cindy had introduced me to a couple of the pga junior tournaments and um i'm hoping to kind of get into a couple of those this spring and maybe try to win one of those and then kind of see where it takes me right do you have uh, a desire to um, be more of a player, um, like some of the tour players? Is that something that's more of interest to you? Or um, do you think maybe one day you'd like to do kind of what Cindy does, um, or maybe a little of both? Um, I think that I would much rather be a tour player. Cindy, I give a lot of credit to her and what she's done for people, but I think I personally would rather be a tour player. Um, it interests me more to be out there every day, playing and practicing and going to all these beautiful courses and all these different places and just getting to experience that. Right. I, I agree. I mean, the traveling would be very exciting. And you know what? You could still always do both. You could kind of be a tour player first and see how that goes and then maybe um, as that career uh, maybe comes to uh, a little further down the road, you may uh, think differently and say, hey, you know, I'd like to do something a little different to give back, and I, I think I've got something of value that I can teach uh, maybe some, some friends or, or some others out there. So there's always uh, opportunity for both down the road. But um, Yeah. So, you know, so that uh, you've got uh, – obviously you're only 12 years old, so you've got your whole life ahead of you and lots of great things. Um, mm-hmm. What do you want let – me, let me ask you as far as education um, – what specifically are you interested in, in learning about? Obviously, at some point in a few years, you'll be in high school and, and, uh, and then eventually possibly into college. Is there something that you're really interested in that you'd like to do maybe in addition to playing golf, uh, maybe as a career? Um, like, uh, go ahead. I'm very interested in science, um, forensics specifically, blood spatter analysts, and um, more of the crime aspect of forensics really interests me. But I've always been drawn to that, and I thought, you know, if I didn't get to play on the tour or golf didn't work out for me, I'd love to go to school um, to in forensics and to have a career in that. So kind of, so kind of like a CSI uh, agent, if you will, that you see on yeah. TV. 
um, something like that, where they analyze different different uh, aspects using science uh, technology. That's very interesting, and that that would be certainly a, an interesting career in its own. But you know, the wonderful the wonderful thing, especially about youth, is uh, you always have the opportunity to dream big. So uh, I, right. I'm sure Cindy has has told you this, and I'll tell you this as well. Um, dream big. Never let anybody tell you that you can't do anything. And even if you don't ultimately necessarily succeed in everything that you dream about, at least you've given it a good try and you've given your very best. You can always be proud of that, right? Right. Um, let me just ask you um, a, a final question um, with respect to what you have to look forward to. Now, you're there for a few days, I believe, correct, at the boot camp? Yes, I am. I flew in on Saturday, and I'm going to be here. And today is our last day playing. Oh, Okay. Um, so what do you think, what's the, what's the number one thing that you're going to take away from this experience? What, that Cindy has taught you or that you've experienced through this boot camp? What's, what do you think is the number one, uh, thing that you're going to take away from this experience? Um, I think walking away that I will really focus on after I took that bad shot that I can keep moving forward and, um, you know, the next shot will be better, and if not, I can keep on working at it. And um, I think that'll help me a lot to not get frustrated and just to keep moving forward. Very well. Well, that's uh, that's a great attitude uh, to have, Lily. And I want to wish you all of the best and much success. And and I want to say this to you um, uh, to extend an invitation that maybe. Uh, and you can talk to Cindy about this, that maybe in the future, uh, a little bit down the road, maybe you can come back on the show and tell us a little bit more about how your game is doing and, and uh, some of the other things that you maybe learn in the future from Cindy as well. So um, we would love to have you maybe come back and share that down the road as well, okay? Yeah, I would love to. Okay. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go back because I'm sure Cindy's got some things for you to do right now, and Cindy and I are going to carry on. Uh, our conversation here. So, Lily, I want to thank you very much for joining us and, and talking with us and letting our audience uh, get your perspective on uh, on how you approach golf and some of the things that Cindy has been helping you with. So I want to thank you very much. And uh, so I'm going to let you go now. And uh, good luck, and, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. All right, bye-bye. B- bye-bye. All right. Well, that was Lily Young, a student of Cindy's. And, and Cindy, what a great uh, – you're, you're exactly right. You're spot on, very very bubbly, full of energy, and just uh, a great young lady and very excited about uh, her future. Isn't she cool for 12 years old? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny because it brings back, really, to be honest, um, memories of when I was a youngster. And, you know, you, and again – you know, as you get older, obviously, you know, you, you start to, your, your thought patterns change a little bit as you have more experiences, you know, some good, some not so good, obviously, but, uh, but uh, that's the beauty of youth is you've got so much energy and so much desire and passion about things that you'd like to do. And I just think that, um, you know, as parents, you, you have to be able to encourage them uh, whenever possible um, so that they, they don't lose that passion. And I think that they'll, uh, end up ultimately more successful as they uh, as they develop in their in their uh, later years. Um, do we have another one that can join us quick or no? You know what? They're all hitting balls. Alan's watching oh, okay. all hit balls, so we're going right. to work. Yeah, we'll even be. Well, we've only got a few more minutes anyway, so uh, I want to just continue on very quickly, Cindy. Um, you know, Lily was was great to answer some of the questions that I really had this morning put together for us for for preparation of a round, but. 
let me just ask you maybe a quick question or two, and, and then we'll uh, hopefully by then uh, Tara will be ready. Um, how do you how did you avoid sort of letting those those inner demons creep in during uh, a tough round? When you had a tough round yourself out there, um, you've mentioned many times that sometimes that inner Cindy would would kind of come in there and, and wreak havoc. What did you try to do to to reinforce uh, some positive thought and not let that take root? You know what? Sometimes it's pretty hard, but you really need to sometimes surrender. And and I've heard it said a lot of different times is you got to play with the the one that showed up. So if you start right. fading everything and you normally draw it, you almost have to surrender and just give in. Because trying to find your golf swing out there while you're playing is not a good thing to do, nor is it very easy to do. So it's kind of a pain, and you probably won't be very successful at it. I think the other thing is the more you relax, the more opportunity you'll have to recover and find your swing, if you will. Uh, If you panic, you only get tight and tension kills all golf swings. I can tell you that much. Right. Um, And and, and you're exactly right. What about uh, yourself uh, before playing around? What are some physical things that you do before? Obviously, I know you you get out there and hit some balls to kind of find out what's happening, but uh, is there anything else? What about stretching or or anything else that you do physically before uh, in preparation before you go out and play around? Definitely stretch. Definitely stretch. And I try to close my eyes and visualize my swing and feel really good swing. And then I hit some balls and then I go putt. And then I basically, my whole mantra to myself is to trust your, your swing. It's so important to right. trust what you're doing. Right. Exactly. Um, what about things like injuries? Um, you know, even though golf is not a, a, a full contact sport, like say football or, um, you know, or, or some of the other uh, more contact sports out there, but there's still, we're still susceptible to injuries. Is there anything really that, that a golfer can do to, to uh, minimize uh, uh, injuries? I mean, I, I know we're going to get some here and there as, as, as we play more and more golf, but is there really anything that you can do to try to help minimize some of the injuries? I think stretching is huge. And I think right. making sure you're swinging correctly. Um, if your swing is such that it's making your body move in a way that it wasn't meant to move, it's, you're going to injure yourself. Um, but I think stretching and staying in shape is very, very, very important and making sure you don't have a swing that will cause injuries. Yeah, and, and, and obviously we know the, the reality of the situation. There's always... Uh, you know, even the best golfers that, that know how to do all of that, uh, you know, just through the, the pure strain and stress on their bodies over time. Like, you know, we obviously we know what's happened with Tiger in the last few years with his back and knee and so forth. And many of the other players uh, from time to time sustained injury. So you're not going to uh, prevent it initially 100 percent, but uh, you're exactly right. There's things that we can do, um, you know, to help um you know, reduce the, the, the injuries and, and make it a little bit less. You know, one of the things, Cindy, that we're going to do as well is uh, I have a gentleman that's been on uh, the other show uh, just to kind of go back to what we were talking about, the emotional side of things. Uh, his name is Tim Kramer, and uh, he's been on the show before, and uh, he's a, a mind, uh, body, and sort of a spiritual uh, a golf professional, if you will, and, and teaches a lot of uh, folks, not just amateurs, 
but uh, also uh, at the professional level as well. And, and we're going to get him on the show as well and have some great discussion about uh, from the emotional side because he's, he's a real expert in it and uh, has worked with a lot of great players over the years. So we're, we're going to get him on as well. Um, but lastly, I want to I, I ask you, uh, Cindy, to take this opportunity since we have a few minutes before Tara comes on the show uh, to remind the folks of uh, that great offer that you have, the Learn to Hit It kit. So tell them a little bit about that, how they can uh, – uh, get their hot little hands on it where they need to go to get more information. Yes, the Learn to Hit It kit, if you go to learntohititkit.com, you can purchase the kit. It includes a portable mat, foam golf balls, my Golf 101 book, and a 10-module online course to teach you to hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose. Perfect. Um, so remember that folks, if you want to, uh, learn how to play a little bit better and maybe you're, you've got some time restrictions, uh, you can't always get out to the golf course, uh, with this learn to hit it kit that Cindy is offering. Um, you can do a lot of this stuff at home, uh, when it's convenient for you. So there's no excuse, um, for, for not getting better uh, at your golf game or spending time, uh, even just a few minutes a day, uh, at your home. Uh, she provides you with all the tools, both visually and and physically, that you can do some things to, to work on your game. So there's no excuse uh, for not improving your game. Uh, City has a great product available that Learn to Hit It kit. So uh, we'll remind you of that at the end of the show as well. But I see that that Tara is uh, is uh, joining us here. So let me just uh, Cindy uh, do a quick introduction, and then we'll bring Tara on the show. Uh, to join us for a discussion in the second half. Um, as I mentioned this morning, folks, the uh, special guest that's joining us today is Tara Miller. Uh, she's an LPJ teaching and club professional member, uh, certified uh, U.S. Kids Golf Coach, and uh, is the uh, Academy Certified Instructor at MCG. Uh, she was born in State College, Pennsylvania, and raised in Columbia, Missouri, mm-hmm. and uh, Bloomberg, Bloomberg uh, Pennsylvania. She's been a member of the MCG Golf Academy for over three years, and some of her hobbies outside of golf include reading, baking, and Pilates, so she obviously uh, understands the importance of staying in shape. Uh, most importantly, loves spending time with her son, AJ, who was born uh, February of 2013. And she learned at a very young age, like many of us have, uh, from her father. Uh, she's played Division One golf at St. Francis University and uh, Wake Forest University, and she believes that all golfers can improve their games and reach their full potential if given the right tools to succeed. So without further hesitation, uh, let's bring on our very special guest this morning, Tara Miller. Good morning, Tara. Good morning. How are you all? We're doing great. We're doing, we're doing great, Tara. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank um, you for having me. Thank you for having not me. Not a problem. Absolutely. Um, let's, um, let's start off. With, let's start off with the obvious this morning, uh, uh, Tara. Tell us a little bit about MCG Golf Academy, um, where it's based out of, and just a little bit about you've been working there for about three years now. Uh, where is it located, and uh, what some of the things that go on at the academy? Sure. I realize I told you three years. I've actually been here for five years. But um, okay. <laughs> so I'm the assistant director of instruction. Um, MCG Golf encompasses nine golf courses around Montgomery County, Maryland, which is the county uh, that borders Washington D.C. on the northwest side. Uh, the nine courses, all public courses, um, set up as a nonprofit owned by, run by the Montgomery County Revenue Authority. And okay. so. Five years ago, when I came on, we set up an academy. Mike Kenny, my uh, PGA uh, Director of Instruction, set up the academy. Um, so we had kind of unified programs. 
uh, across the nine golf courses. Uh, Falls Road Golf Course has the bulk of those lessons. We're in Potomac, Maryland. It's a couple miles from uh, Congressional, TPC, Avondale, some big-name country clubs there. And we, we do real, a ton of junior programs. Uh, we've done the PGA Junior League in the past. We run a program now called the MCG Juniors. Uh, I'm the site director for the LPGA USGA Girls Golf and oh, wow. uh, Get Golf Ready. I mean, we have a lot of programs where trying to get new golfers learning, and then also our big thing now is keeping golfers engaged. Um, right. As as the, the studies are showing that. Floods of people are joining golf, learning golf, but then it's how you keep them to stay and how you keep them to overcome the hurdles of continuing to play golf and getting out there and actually being on the course. Um, yeah, and that raises yeah, and that raises a very interesting question. I had a, a discussion with a gentleman last night who's going to be coming on uh, a future show, and uh, he's come out with a product, and I won't get into it all now because it's, it's a little bit lengthy, but um, that focuses more on time. Uh, you know, one of the biggest complaints that I think a lot of consumers have is their time is very uh, valuable, and, and it's not always easy to, to commit. So, uh, and especially with juniors, you mentioned that you do a lot of work with, with juniors as well. Um, so with today's competing, especially with social media for time, um, do you find it difficult to get the juniors to take an interest in golf? Uh, I mean, obviously you work with many of them, but um, is that an area that you find sometimes a bit of a struggle because they're so preoccupied with, you know, being on, on social media or doing other things um, that it's, it's hard for them to, to, you know, sort of structure their time a little bit uh, and, and give time for golf? Do you find that yeah, a challenge you know, sometimes? I, I, I find – I mean, I, start, I have my handful of juniors who are dedicated to the golf. to golf. That is their main focus. Um, but most of the juniors we see that come through our junior camps, and, and we have an incredibly large junior program, um, summer camps and after-school clinics, uh, but most of our juniors, it's kind of just their once-a-week after-school activity. And so they come for a private lesson or they come for a clinic once a week, which is great, but, but then, you know, baseball's on Monday, golf's on Tuesday, lacrosse is on Wednesday, or whatever right. it is. You know, and they might do it for three months, and then their new sport starts, so the schedule they had in the spring for golf has to change, and then we don't see them again for the year. Or in the summertime, they come for their once-a-week golf clinic, uh, or I'm sorry, their golf camp, and then we see them the next summer for that same once-a-week golf clinic, or golf camp. And what's crazy to me about it is they, they love it. You know, they have so much fun. The parents give us great feedback. But then why don't we see them for another year or another six months or, or whatever right. it is? Uh, my favorite thing in the world, and it, it like, I have a hard time not just giving them range balls because I'm so excited to see them, is when they come out to hit balls or to play right. golf. Um, because then you're like, oh, they really, they're going to stick with this. And, and you know that they're excited to get better and want to get better. Uh, and that's, also then a lot where the parents come in I think kids tend not to play golf they tend not to just say you know what I think golf sounds cool let's join golf it tends to be mom or dad uh, saying I think you should try golf or they golf so they bring 
their son and daughter right. or daughter out to the course. Um, so if we can get the parents engaged, more kids get engaged. But if you get the kids engaged and, and the kid's really into it, then the parent's like, I don't know anything about this. My kid's starting to beat me. I need to get better too. So right. I, I'm a big advocate <laughs> of family golf because they I feed on just, each other so well. Right. I was just going to say that. I think that that really needs to be the next evolution of golf. I mean, I know there's been a big emphasis on growing the game in women, um, women's uh, field, but I think it's also important for family golf. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Do you think that one of the other reasons possibly that, that maybe uh, especially kids um, don't get as engaged much is, is not so much the difficulty, but maybe the misconception about golf. For instance, you know, they see uh, on television, you know, the, the really exposure that they get to it from uh, social media or um, uh, through other mediums is, you know, the, the elite players, the best of the best. So in their minds, maybe some of them might think, well, you know, I'm never going to be that good or I'm never going to be able to play on the, a PGA or LPGA tour. So they kind of shy away. Whereas, you know what, I can kick a soccer ball around or I can do that. I don't have to be the best. Do you think that there's an association on that level that maybe uh, tends to shy them away? I mean, they love playing, like you said, but then, you know, why aren't they coming out more often? You know, um, what are your thoughts on that? I think when in your, I, I, you're correct. Totally correct. Most sports, you can go in your backyard, right? Or you can yes. go out with the neighbor kids mm-hmm. and find a random field and kick a soccer ball around. You know, people mm-hmm. have basketball hoops somewhere on their road, and they can go shoot basketballs. They can throw a ball back and forth to each other. They can throw footballs back and forth to each other. In golf, you have to go to a golf course. You have right. to pay for that experience. Um I try to get my students, I, you know, like set up a net or chip in your backyard, and they don't. Mm. You know, it's kind of no. sitting in your backyard <laughs> by yourself, chipping to a basket. They're not going to do it unless they're those people that you kids are trying to play in college or adults that right. uh, don't, they just don't do it. Um, where it's very easy when it's other sports where you don't need to play a full game to really experience right. the game. Yeah, uh, you can make up a different game. You know, you, you don't have to play the actual, yeah, with a football or something. You could just play catch or whatever. So, uh, and, and, you know, multiple people can, can get involved, and it's, you know, it's very inexpensive. Um, Cindy, I want you to obviously uh, jump in here as well. Your thoughts on that, and I know you have some questions for, for Tara as well. Tara, when you do your camp, how long do the camps run? So we at, at Falls Road. Well, all of our all of our courses offer camps. Um, they go from nine. We have the full day camp, which goes from nine to four, nine a.m. to four p.m. It involves an educational segment, which is tough to teach a kid rules when you know they're sitting there. So we have to kind of get creative. Then we practice until noon, and then we have lunch, a little break, and then they go out on the course and play. So from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock, they're out on the course playing golf. We typically do a four-person scramble, or depending on the kids' levels, we'll we'll separate them out, and the better kids might play their own ball. The kids that are a little newer might do alternate shot, whatever it is. Um, And uh, the kids love being on the course. And we're, we're fortunate enough that our course, our academy, and our course are all owned by the same organizations so we're fortunate that we're able to do that i'm sure 
a lot of I know a lot of courses it's like subcontractors so they have to pay for all those tea times. Um, and, and so we're fortunate with that. But then we also have half day camps uh, that run from nine to noon, or we have afternoon versions as well. Um, at Falls Road, we get for 12 weeks, we'll have 24 kids in each camp. And they, they all sell. We'll fill every spot. And then that when half day camp. When you say 12 weeks, is it how many days of the week for the full day camp? Uh, it's, so it's Monday through Friday. So each wow. 12 separate weeks of camp, Monday through Friday. Uh, and you'll see some kids that will do five weeks of it. You'll see some kids that, you know, you see them one week of it. Uh, but, yeah, our, our, our part of that is when you're able to get them out on the course, you know, if you're able to do that, that is mm-hmm. that is a much more of an automatic sell to the parents that their kids are going to actually learn on the course. And then when they're carrying their bags for five days in a row, uh, their kids go home and sleep and are t- exhausted. <laughs> But then two weeks later are fine with walking. You know, the parents don't have to pay for a golf cart anymore. Uh, And what is the the, charge uh, for the camp for the week, for 9 to to 4? It depends on our courses. Falls Road being the busiest one, and we're in Potomac, Maryland, which is a more affluent community and um, heavily populated. We charge $3.99 a week, Monday through Friday. And then we have some courses that are three forty nine and then others that are two ninety nine. That's pretty inexpensive. Yes. We're we yes. we like to grow the game. You know, the more kids you get in, uh, the more they're gonna come back and play golf and, and buy range balls. I mean as they're they're paying for food. Their parents, again, are like, wow, my kid really likes golf and can actually play. I should take lessons. Um, right. They buy balls. They spend. So it's not just three ninety nine. and we never, you know, they're spending a lot of money elsewhere on our course. Um, but more than right. anything, when you're 12 years old and you learn how to golf, even if you stop playing golf for, and I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure you both see this when you're teaching. Right. I'll have a 40-year-old show up and say, well, I played as a junior and I haven't played since. They're going to be able to pick up the game much easier than a 40-year-old who had never, ever touched a golf club before. And Um, how many kids do you have in your full-day camp? We'll have 24 each week at Falls Road. Uh, The other courses, it'll depend on the week, anywhere from 10 to 20. And just depends on the week. Uh, and and we how keep many a, teachers do you have? Yeah, we keep a one to six ratio. Um, so the camps are taught by PGA or LPGA, well, me at Falls Road, or, or PGA professionals at the other courses, or we have some full-time instructors that are not PGA um, or LPGA, but then are trained to teach. Uh, and then we we hire five interns, um, PGM school interns over the summer uh, to help with those camps. Awesome. So and they kind of float between the courses depending on what the number of kids is, again, just to keep that one to six ratio. Awesome. Do you you try – 
uh, ter- sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought, I was going to say, and what I'm really excited about is this year, for the first time ever, of our five interns, we don't have just one female intern. We have four. Wow. We have four female Excellent. interns that are going through a um, PGM program at their school, which I don't know how that Excellent. happened, but I am so pumped that there's, you know, so many women now uh, trying to make golf their career. So. Well, I, I think Tara, just to add to that, uh, I think really one of the reasons is uh, individuals like yourself and Cindy and so many of the other LPGA members um, have really, um, I think, over this last several years, um, maybe even decades, have really put a big push. I mean, obviously, we want to grow the game as a general rule, but I think there has been a lot of emphasis by the LPGA to really engage with women. Um, Cindy, would you agree? I mean, like they've just done a fantastic job of really kind of aggressively going after the women's market and saying, hey, uh, there's a place for you here as well, and, and, uh, and try to break some of the, the traditional stigmas that, that have sort of been around it. Um, of just, you know, if you want to be an LPGA player, that's great. But other than that, there's nothing here for you. And I think now with new opportunities of teaching and, and, and other areas of golf and just business golf, as an example, uh, has really opened up the door for the women's market. And, that, and as you just pointed out, Tara, that's very exciting. But, Cindy, would you agree with that? I think um, Absolutely. there's just, yeah, there's just been a great initiative um, over the years. And, and uh, you know, kudos to all of the, the – uh, LPGA uh, teaching and club professionals and, and other professionals in the in the field that have done that. You guys have done a great job. Um, and I was going to add a Tara, quick note when you talked about the kids. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Tara. I'd or, like to uh, ask Tara Cindy. a question. Tara, yeah. do, you, do you have junior programs during the year? We have like, after. Do you have a... Go ahead. Yeah, we have after-school clinics. Um in the past, we we just we have we have, we have after school clinics where um, through the year, depending on the course and the popularity of that time and day, they might be just like in April, May, September, and October. Um, at Falls Road, we have some that run even in the summer, and some that don't. Uh, some that just do the April, May, September, and October after school times. We divide them by age versus ability. Um, I know a lot of – it seems like the bigger trend is to divide them by ability, and you look at, like, U.S. Kids Golf programs, which I love U.S. Kids Golf. Uh, I'm a certified with them as well. But it, it's – it's um, we've just taken the approach of doing it by age, and then we make that really fun. You know, a lot of games. A lot of strategy games where they're learning without realizing they're learning. Um, mm-hmm. And so when you have a better player or not as, you know, a newer golfer, they can still enjoy the experience together. Um, I think right. 13-year-olds want to be with 13-year-olds, even if the other 13-year-olds not that great. Um, right. So so that's more of our approach on it. And, and we've been successful with that. Uh, but I do know that's different than what you often see. And I think part of that, too, is because we're at public courses, we're seeing a lot of different kids, whereas at country clubs you have your set, whatever it is, 100 kids or 200 kids, and so it's you're only dealing with those kids. So doing it by ability is a easier or a, a very achievable process. 
Yeah. I and I, I, I gr- yeah, I agree with that. I think that's a great a- approach to it. And, you know, you have to be able to mix it up every once in a while. I think, you know, sometimes it's always good to, to um, do what you feel might work for your area or your community. And uh, that gives an opportunity for other uh, your fellow professionals to say, hey, you know, they're doing something great over here. Uh, at their location, let, let's kind of take a look at that, and maybe that's something we can try over here. You have to keep it uh, mixed up, and I think one of the interesting aspects about what you're doing there, Tara, is this. Um, I think sometimes it's good to have players of, of a lesser skill in with some of the better players because they can learn, uh, and it helps push them a little bit further and say, hey, you know, I'd like to play a little better like so-and-so here, um, so it gives them that, that extra energy, and if it's approached in the right way, um, it won't be intimidating for them. So it, it sounds like you've got a great, uh, a great approach to things there at, at your locations. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Uh, especially when you have kids that are a little bit more competitive, and they'll see that they're playing in these contests and they're not doing very well. Then they'll ask their parents to come out and practice or to take extra lessons because they want to beat whoever the other kid is that keeps winning, which is funny but effective, I guess. So, um, and certainly you do get, you will get kids that are maybe a little pushed back from that, but hopefully the instructor sees that that kid is feeling lousy about themselves and can provide that emotional, you know, emotional support for that kid. But it's really funny to me to see the kid that shows up for another lesson or to practice just so he can beat, you know, his buddy that keeps winning. So it's fine. Right. Well, Exactly. And Cindy, I know you've had that over the years as well with many of your uh, students at the junior camps that you, uh, the different boot camps that you have, where one will sort of really stand out and shine and, and, uh, and then you have others that say, hey, wait a minute, I don't, you know, I don't want him or her to, to be winning all the time. So they, they get a little bit more uh, forthcoming with their efforts as well, correct? Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because yesterday we were at Panther Lake playing uh, after the boot camp in the morning, the instruction session in the morning and the ninth hole is really hard and long and so I told the girls I was with the girls and Alan was with the boys I said all right anybody that makes an eight or better gets free ice cream from me and I'll be darn you know I forgot I even said that and at the end of the hole two of the three are like I just made eight I just made seven you owe me ice cream yeah so it's amazing yeah. what fires them up but you got to keep them motivated yeah you know it's you're Cindy yeah. is so right. You know, when when I first started teaching camps, I would give out like Titleist hats and Pro V1s, and I was just trying to spend a certain number of dollars on prizes. Mm-hmm. And then I learned, okay, if you make this putt, I'll give you a fun size candy bar. They would much <laughs> rather a whole bunch of fun size, you know, Snickers bars than a hat. Absolutely. Me too. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm like, who knew I didn't have to spend? And I still, you know, you'll have nice surprises too. But they're really motivated by candy and ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, what kid isn't? That's why you need to stock up at Halloween and get a little bit extra because you can always roll that into your 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 junior camps uh, exactly. as a surprise. But uh, but no, you're you're exactly right. So what do you see um, as you look forward, Tara, in 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 the future of golf? What would you what do you see now that that you really like and what would you like to see different um, as, as we move forward and in this ever sort of changing world, what would you like to see different in the golf world? And what do you see right now that you really, really like? Uh, it, I, I, one thing I see that I have 
things that I love about it and things that I don't, but there's there's a huge emphasis on technology, but yes. then there's a huge emphasis on fun and making it fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're you're trying to get um, you're trying to get uh, young adults to play in a more fun setting. You know, <clears throat> shorter holes, top golf, um, cosmic golf. Things like that. What what can you do to make golf really fun? Do you put music on your driving range? But then you'll go to some instructors who have really, really high-tech stuff. And those two mm-hmm. things to me don't really jive. Um, now, the bonus of it is you certainly have plenty of people who need that real scientific background to improve. Um, so... It, it's really good to me to either be a very diverse instructor and be able to do both or to kind of um, be a master of that one area and then for the students to be aware of which approach you have. that makes sense? Right. Yeah, so if you know you're a person that – and I don't think – I know it, it matters especially like in juniors, but I think it matters too in adults. You know, if you're teaching a new golfer clinic – do you really need to start talking about technology? Or do you do putting drills that just makes them feel like they're getting better while they're having a lot of fun? Um, so as an instructor, you either need to be able to really read those different personality types, or you need to pick your one niche and only teach students that are going to be able to deal with that niche. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I want to. I want to just to something that you alluded to a little bit earlier in the conversation, um, you know, about growing the game. And I want to to both of you, and maybe get a, a quick comment from both of you on this as well. Um, as I mentioned, I had a conversation last evening about a future guest, and uh, he he relayed a, a very startling and but but very interesting statistic. Um, he's out in the Phoenix, uh, uh, Arizona area, and he was uh, reading off some stats that he's uncovered. He was able to sort of dig deep in, in the, uh, um, uh, in the uh, membership of a particular golf course out there. He didn't give me the name of it, but um, uh, it's a member's course. And I found this, the stats very interesting but very startling as well. Um, 80% of the membership play maybe once a year. That's 80% of their entire membership play once a year. 17%, yeah, 17% might play once a month. And 3% of the membership play on a regular, like maybe once a week or or possibly more. So that tells you that 97% of their membership, now this is a good course, there's nothing wrong. I mean, you know, we know that many of the courses out there in Phoenix. Um, the reason why he mentioned this, and again, I won't get into all the specifics uh, about what he does, but Cindy, we're going to have him on our show as well. Um, but this is a lot more prevalent throughout the industry than people realize. And it goes to some of the things that we've talked about, Cindy, before on the show, and, and Tara, that you've pointed out as well. Um, you know, we want to have fun, but we, and, and technology sometimes plays a role in that. I think sometimes too much emphasis is made on technology and not at the right times, and maybe has actually become a deterrent. Um, but what, if you th- what do you think, Tara, I'll let you go first as our guest, and then, Cindy, I want you to chime in as well. What do you think of, of statistics like that? What does that say to you um, uh, about an industry? Uh, 
uh, yeah, I mean, you, you, you've got, you have to figure out how to get those golfers who already have learned the game to continue mm-hmm. playing. And, and what is that? You know, it's to get brand new golfers engaged. You know, they, they love the wine and nines, the, um, going out and doing a little 40 yard tournament and, and more of those kind of fun little game approaches. Um, but for the the men and women who are you know playing once a month or even only once or twice a year why and and why right. don't we just ask them you know i always so i sent out uh, a couple of years ago i have a initiative that i started um mcg women the the women of mcg there we go and i sent out a survey to every woman that has played at our courses and who we at least knew was a woman. And um, I had 260 results and mm-hmm. that, that surveyed back, and most of them were pretty similar. There was a huge intimidation factor for coming out and playing by their own. And this is women. I, I think that the reasons for not playing are different than men. And so, again, the, and these sure. are women that have played. So... There's a huge intimidation factor. They don't have friends to play with. Um, they're uncomfortable on the course. They're embarrassed if they play poorly. You know, it's, it's a lot of that is, though, more of how they feel about being on the course. Uh, and, right. And I've got to think that men feel that way to some extent as well. Um, they're busy. Sure they they have families. You know, there, there's all these. There's a lot of good reasons that you can't you can't blame them for, but what can you do to help them with those? So, I mean, my dad wanted to play when I was a kid. My dad wanted to play golf. He had grown up playing golf. Wanted to get back into it. My mom said that's fine, but you need to take the kids. And so, when yeah. I was four years old, my sister was nine, and my brother was thirteen. We all started playing golf with dad. I would just ride along in the cart or go to the swimming pool, well, you know, whatever we did. But so why not just bring your family with you? You know, if it's you have a mm-hmm. family and bring them with you. You don't know anyone to play with, get your kids to play with you. Um, so that to me is part should help, you know. And then yeah. it's how do you find a friend. I bet there is someone that you work with or that you know, even if it's a mutual friend, that feels the same way, and if the two of you can pair up, then there you go. At least that's one hurdle to go over. Right. Well well said. Um, Cindy, some maybe quick thoughts from, from your um, perspective as well on this. I'm sure you agree with a lot of what Tara just said, but anything else you uh, maybe would like to add about that? Um, I do. I, I would ask the guy in, uh, did you say Phoenix or Houston? The club. Feast, uh, Phoenix, sorry. Phoenix. Okay. I would ask if those members are corporate members or if they're families, and I would want to know why they joined the club. Because if yeah. they're if it's a corporate membership, there might be a reason they only play once a year. Right. Um, and and maybe yeah. those people travel. You know, who knows? But I would want to know why they only play once a year because I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, and, and, and it's I'm disturbing. Sure and and I... program. Right. 
and, and I don't want to. Let me just for for the audience listening out there, I, I want to be careful and not to say that this is a you know standard throughout the industry. Uh, but and and I don't know all the circumstances, but it's a very startling fact when you hear uh, of uh, you know a members a members club that has that high of a percentage of of members that are not playing uh, golf. And there could be a million reasons, as as you both have pointed out. Um, but it's definitely something that, that the course and facility itself should take a serious look at because that is, that's some pretty startling numbers. And if it is a trend uh, in the industry, then that really uh, goes to, Tara, what you said about is really finding initiatives to get people engaged, whatever that may be. Um, they need to be more aggressive in that. Um, just a, a quick note on something that you had mentioned, Tara, about uh, from the men's perspective. Um, we obviously approach things a little bit differently. We certainly have many of the same feelings. I mean, obviously, um, as we get out in the golf course, sometimes uh, we get a little bit nervous and, and uncomfortable. But I think for men, I think the difference is, um, you know, as a younger male, you know, you might be out there and you might be shooting in the 70s or, or even low 80s. But as you get a little bit older and maybe having difficulty breaking 100, uh, I think the ego thing kind of comes in, and I think this is why some men kind of back away as they get older because they just they lose that competitiveness or they don't feel they can be competitive. So they figure, well, you know, I don't want to go out. I, you know, I'm shooting over 100, and I just don't feel comfortable playing anymore. So they kind of back away. So I think there's a little similarity between the men and the women, but I think it, it, maybe from a, the male perspective, I think it's because they don't feel they can be as competitive uh, or aren't as comfortable with their competitiveness uh, at a later point in their life. So that could be part of the reason why you see some men kind of shy away as well. But um, just some thoughts and, and uh, you know, I, yeah, and I appreciate you, you coming on this morning. Uh, Cindy and I want to take this opportunity. Uh, unfortunately, we, we're out of time, and I know Cindy's got to get on finishing her boot camp today. But, uh, Tara, I want to thank you very much for joining uh, Cindy and I this morning on the, on the golf show. And just very quickly, if you want to let the folks know that are listening, if they want to reach out to you, if they're uh, maybe in your area, you're going to be coming into your area, and they'd like to reach out and, and learn more about uh, uh, Tara Miller and, and some of the things that you offer at Falls Road and, and some of the other courses in your in your group, um, how can they go about reaching to uh, getting out to you? Yeah, absolutely. My email address is tmiller uh, at mcg. Dot, uh, sorry, tmiller at mcg golf.com two g's in there or you can visit us at mcgacademy.com their web address perfect perfect so, yes yeah, um, reach out to well, me if have anyone uh, has any questions or wants to chat well perfect well thank tara you so thank much, you very tara. much thank you yeah, thank, thank you, you for, for having me yeah not a problem and, and uh enjoy uh, the rest of your day and and week and uh we look forward to maybe you uh joining us again in the future we would love to have you I would love to be back. Thank you. All right. You have a great week. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, Cindy, I know you've got lots of work to do, so let me just uh, quickly wrap it up. We ran a few minutes over, but uh, wanted to give uh, Tara, and, and uh, please extend uh, thanks from both of us to, to Lily for joining us this morning. That was very, uh, very insightful and very interesting to hear uh, a youngster's perspective to the game, and, and it sounds like you're doing some great work with her and and uh, the other kids there in your boot camp. So um, on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, uh, we want to thank you very much for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf Show. We uh, always uh, appreciate uh, our listeners and, and uh, followers of the show, and just remember that you can uh, join us in the conversation too anytime if you want at area code 347-945-5855, and you can reach out to Cindy and I at cindy at cindymillergolf.com at gmail. Uh, sorry, cindymillergolf.com 
Cindy at CindyMillersGolf.com, or you can reach out to me at Ted.GolfTalkLive at gmail.com. So, uh, again, on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, we want to thank you very much for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. Have a great week. Mm-hmm. God bless. And we'll see you next Tuesday right here on the Women of Golf. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.